1: The White House and the Mexican government have spent this week trying to come to an agreement. The two governments have been in talks since President Trump announced late last week via his Twitter feed a plan to impose tariffs on all imports from Mexico. Trump has since repeatedly said that tariffs on what would be roughly $350 billion in imports will go into effect Monday and continue to increase in the ensuing months. Unless Mexico can satisfy Trump with a plan to halt migrants coming to the U.S. But what exactly will satisfy the president in these negotiations is unclear. On Thursday afternoon, The Post reported that U.S. and Mexican officials were outlining an agreement that would increase Mexico's immigration enforcement. Trump, though, hasn't weighed in on whether that proposed deal would be enough. And time is running out. Meanwhile, Republican senators in a rare break from the president have said that they'd block Mexican tariffs. In part because, the way they see it, the move would essentially mean a tax increase for U.S. companies and consumers. So now, as the U.S. faces a continued surge of migrants at our southern border, many facing overwhelmed shelters and inadequate care, we're looking at the president's strategy and his ability to execute on it. Does the law actually allow Trump to bring these tariffs on Mexico? Could the Senate stop the president? And what will be the consequences for Americans and for our economy if these tariffs do take effect? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. Damian Paletta, our economic policy reporter here at The Post, came on the show for this week's episode. He brought physical, visual props to an audio show, but we'll get to that later. First, though, I asked him to explain how Trump's plan to impose these tariffs would actually work.
0: So the president hasn't put anything on paper. There's been no report or release or executive order. So all we have to go on is a brief conference call that the acting chief of staff, McMulvaney, had, and then a bunch of speculation. But what the president says he will do is impose a 5% tariff starting Monday, June 10th on all imports that come in from Mexico. So $350 billion of goods a year, a billion dollars a day that comes across the Mexico border into the U.S., there'd be a 5% penalty that U.S. companies have to pay to bring that stuff in. And then that penalty will increase to 10 percent, to 15 percent, eventually to 25 percent over time if Mexico doesn't do whatever President Trump wants that he feels is necessary to seal off the border from migrants.
1: And what exactly does he want Mexico to do to seal off? So the
0: there's this surge of people coming into the United States now are trying to come into the United States across the Mexican border. A lot of them are, are from Guatemala and Honduras but they're traveling through Mexico. And so the White House really wants at least three things to happen. One is they want a lot more security on the Mexico-Guatemala border to prevent people from coming in. They want a lot more policing inside Mexico to stop these caravans and turn the people around who are trying to get to the border. And then they want a lot more security at the U.S.-Mexico border. And that could even look like people that are applying for asylum in the United States – the U.S. wants them to be held in Mexico while they're waiting for asylum instead of having them be held in the United States. So there's at least three things the White House wants. Mexico has talked about you know, doing some things over time, but the White House wants these steps to be taken immediately. And that's why the, the president's trying to create this sense of urgency with the tariffs.
1: Okay, so Trump creates this sense of urgency. Right. And since then, even without a plan, there have been some negotiations. What's the status of those negotiations? Sure,
0: senior Mexican officials rushed to the United States. They had conversations on Wednesday with vice president, Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo those talks are going to continue I guess it's a good sign that they're continuing to negotiate and they didn't just give up and everybody you know went back to their corners they are going to continue to talk I feel like the White House believes that they got Mexico's attention with this threat and it's kind of in everyone's interest for something to be worked out now the president obviously feels like Mexico won't take him seriously unless they believe he's really willing to follow through with this he has followed through with tariffs on uh, China he's followed through with tariffs on a, a bunch of other other countries as well. And so this, you know, it's very likely or possible that he could do it again here. But with all this screaming and hollering we're hearing from companies, from Republican senators that they don't want him to do this, I think the White House feels like it's in their best interest that they can work something out where they don't have to follow through with the
1: tariffs. So what are Mexico's then key points of negotiations? Where are they willing to compromise? Where are they willing to accommodate Trump's requests? And where are they just unwilling to? Mexican officials
0: have said they will do more to try to increase the police presence, and they will do more to try to deal with the caravans. At the same time, there's been people crossing the US-Mexico border as long as there's been a U.S., right? Mm-hmm. It's like never been done before that the border's been sealed off. And there are rights that these people have. These people, most of these people are not sneaking into the United States. They're coming right through the ports and getting arrested immediately. There's was 144,000 that were apprehended. In May, over 100,000 of them were families and children. Okay, these are not, in most cases, people that are coming in with drugs and, and guns and knives. These are people that are coming to try to get a better life in the U.S. Now, Mexico agrees that there are borders and there are laws that things need to be changed because this has become such a humanitarian crisis. But their capacity to do it in such a swift way, like the White House wants, I think is really a challenge. And that's the message they're trying to communicate to the White House. They will take steps. It's going to take time. The question is whether President Trump feels like he will give them time to, to get that stuff done.
1: Let's talk about how the messages that are coming out of these negotiations might be different from the messages we're hearing from Trump and the White House publicly.
0: When the president announced this these tariffs uh, a week ago, he said that the tariffs would go in place until the border was completely sealed off right? Something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like an impossible ask and that it seemed like the tariffs were definitely going to happen. Now, White House officials immediately said, well, 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 we just want to see Mexico making progress. We want them to be taking this more seriously. We want to see them move quicker. So you have this kind of disconnect between what the president said and what his staff said. And it's, what his staff said seemed more reasonable. It seemed like something that Mexico could try to meet their obligations on. Now, then the president comes back and says, no, 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 I want the border sealed off. I don't want any more you know, migrants coming into the U.S. We're full, as he said. And so there's this confusion about whether the Mexicans should be negotiating with Pence and Pompeo or whether whatever they offer will still won't be good enough for President Trump. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of got everyone confused, including business leaders and Mexicans, obviously, and, and U.S. lawmakers. What will it take or is the president really just intent on doing this? And all these negotiations are just for show.
1: Yeah. And another point of confusion here is the timing as it relates to the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement, Trump's proposed successor to NAFTA. First, before we talk about why the timing and that particular plan all seems wrapped up in this and why it's a little bit unusual, can you just tell us what the USMCA is?
0: Yeah, the USMCA is a revision of the 1994 North American Free Trade Agreement, which was a trade pact between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada that was meant to eliminate tariffs between the three countries so that they could trade goods easily and also create this um, three-nation supply chain so that companies could have presences in each country and, you know, move goods back and forth. and Sounds it was, like a good plan. Exactly. An <laughs> integrated, you know, kind of economic force. Now, it worked out great for some people. It didn't work out so great for other people. There were a lot of companies that moved operations into Mexico where they were, you know, they could get um, lower wage work. And so a lot of people in the Midwest, where I'm from, and, you know, uh, companies, uh, towns throughout the South, a lot of those jobs left. And it was, you know, it stunk for those people. And the scars are still there. And so even during the 2016 campaign, we heard Bernie Sanders and even Hillary Clinton say, you know, NAFTA needs to be fixed. It didn't work out so well for a lot of people. And so there was, you know, bipartisan support to make changes. And that's kind of how we got to where we are now.
1: Mm-hmm. And the USMCA changes that in what way?
0: Well, it, it makes it harder for um, com- countries like China to send their goods into Mexico as a kind of a backdoor way around tariffs. So it tries to kind of seal up the three countries away from others as well. It also pushes up wage standards in Mexico To make it harder for Mexico to outbid the US on low wages. It has new environmental policies. It has a lot more with e commerce, which is a big change. It helps um, US dairy farmers compete with Canadian dairy farmers. So there's a lot of changes that would help US businesses. Now, it's not like it's kind of a revision to NAFTA that would be positive for many, but it's not like it was torn up and completely rewritten.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, we have this negotiation going on around the USMCA, and Trump makes this tariff threat towards Mexico. How does that threat affect those negotiations?
0: There's a fascinating element. So the House Democrats obviously have a lot of control because they have to vote to pass USMCA. And it looked like President Trump was actually getting pretty close to the goal line here. The Democrats did not say they were going to oppose it, which was kind of a big deal given everything else that's was going on. They wanted to talk about it. They wanted to understand how it was going to work. And some of the key um, barriers had been removed by the president to to get Democratic support. So he gets really close. And then he just comes and tramples it with this 5% tariff on everything from Mexico. I mean, that really has frozen – the USMCA talks because now Republicans are spooked. There were senior White House officials that warned the president this would happen, that USMCA would be put on hold while all this other stuff is, you know, all this confusing stuff is happening. There's, a, you know, no one believes that they can negotiate in good faith with the White House on one thing if he's just the president's just going to do something else completely unrelated that upends what they did. So I think that's all on hold. The White House says it's not, but it is. And whether this gets resolved next week, the the 5% thing, you know, That probably will make it a lot easier to get this passed. But if it drags on and on, it's really hard to see how USMCA is approved.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into. Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday. Or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts this year do you expect us to see this tariff issue get resolved next week? Is it going to get resolved on we're recording this on Thursday morning? Is it going to get resolved before we air this tomorrow <laughs> uh,
0: i i I believe the tariffs will go into effect mm-hmm. um at least temporarily. I, I think the president feels like he has so much more leverage when the pain kind of starts to sink in mm-hmm. um and, you know, it would be kind of incredible because it's never been done before what he's trying to do. It's legally dubious. Um, but he believes in his heart of heart that it's the right thing to do and that Mexico you know, has just ignored him for over two years and that he feels like, you know, it's going to take this to get it done.
1: That point that it's legally dubious. His threat's premised on this law that's never been used as a tool of immigration policy or for tariffs. It's called the International Emergency Economics Powers Act. What does that act traditionally apply to? What is it usually used for?
0: So it was passed in 1977. It's traditionally used against countries like Iran and Sudan, you know, sanctions, um, weapons of mass destruction type stuff. It, it's trying to penalize countries that are doing really big bad things and a way to wall those countries off economically from the rest of the world. So it's a pretty effective tool if you're trying to black out the Iranians or the North Koreans and wall them off from you know the global economy to squeeze them and to make it hard for them to interact to try to get them to change their policy. It has never been used against a U.S. ally before. It has never been used to impose tariffs before. The word tariffs is not even in the law. So there's a lot of people who wonder, like, can he even do this? Mm-hmm. Because it's never good been good question like, for this show. <laughs> <Right>. It's never <laughs> been done before. It's never been used in this way before. And we've seen in the past, he does believe that he can kind of stretch, you know, the boundaries of what is permissible. Because it'd be really hard to challenge it. It would take a long time in court, probably. Now, obviously, the Senate Republicans could just knock it over if they voted to disapprove of the use of this law like this. They could do that.
1: Are we seeing talk of them possibly doing so? Absolutely.
0: I'm kind of struck by how strident they are and how much of a warning they're giving the White House. They could get a two-thirds majority to support a resolution that disapproves of this. That is veto-proof, you know, which would be kind of amazing. Now, whether they can get two thirds in the House would be is unclear. The Democrats do control it, but it's we haven't heard much from um, House Republicans like we have from Senate Republicans. I, I think the White House would prefer not get to that position. But um, right now we're in this really interesting standoff where you have the Mexicans kind of looking at both sides of Pennsylvania Avenue. You know, who should we trust? Should we capitulate to the White House or should we wait for this big constitutional showdown? That all could play out really quickly.
1: Now, are Senate Republicans reluctant to let trump apply this law towards tariffs against mexico because they don't want to see a law establishing new precedent that hasn't existed or are they more afraid of the effects that these tariffs will actually have
0: my understanding and what we're hearing is that they believe tariffs are taxes And one of the most important things to Republicans is not supporting tax increases. And if they support a 5% tariff on Mexican goods, and then it goes up to 10% or 15%, they've effectively supported a huge tax increase on American businesses. And those costs get passed along to American consumers. And then next thing you know, we could have a recession. And it's the 2020 elections. And it's a big mess. So those are all the things that are kind of playing into this. Just small things. Right. Exactly.
1: So just so that I understand timeline-wise, Does Trump, though, at this moment have the ability to enact these tariffs Monday morning if he decides to and then he has to sort of be stopped? Or can he be prevented from doing so?
0: I don't see any scenario where he can be prevented from doing so unless a federal judge somehow intervenes. And we haven't even seen a lawsuit. The Chamber of Commerce has talked about a lawsuit, but Congress is gone. They've kind of scattered for the weekend. They won't even be back until these tariffs could presumably go into effect. So it seems very unlikely that he could be stopped. The only thing at this point that could stop him would be you know, his own decision.
1: OK, well, then given that this might happen... Let's talk about how it would affect Americans, how it would affect our goods and products, things that we buy regularly, our lives. What what will we see directly?
0: Sure. So, th- like I mentioned, $350 billion of stuff comes into the United States from Mexico every year. That's about a billion dollars a day, all right? Now, we're talking, there's such a wide range of things, automobiles, car parts, tractors, machinery, um, clothing, just so much stuff. So, in order to help make this easier to understand, I went to the grocery store today just for you and <laughs> for, just been 15 minutes. So, there's probably a lot more stuff, but I grabbed things that.
1: This is real. He is now yes, going is into legit. a plastic bag yeah, full three of Three plastic guns. bags.
0: Okay. So, these are things that say product of Mexico.
1: All right. What are you holding? Okay.
0: This is um, a box of blackberries. Delicious, nutritious. We need those. Exactly. Great for your summer smoothie. <laughs>
1: A tomato. Tomato.
0: I mean, come on. Like, obviously, these are things that are part of everyone's life, especially this time of year.
1: It's true. This is
0: the most obvious one. Avocados Avocados, from Mexico.
1: We know that one. And
0: the idea is, as I pull these things out of my bags, that... If these things cost more to bring into the United States, then they're going to cost more at the grocery store for Americans, mm-hmm. right? That
1: cost gets passed on to us.
0: Exactly, right. Companies don't just eat the cost, pardon the pun. OK, <laughs> asparagus? We
1: have a lot of asparagus. Uh, I think I'm getting hungry as yeah. we do this.
0: I'm, OK, so like, <laughs> this is going to take too long. But we have cucumbers and squash, mangoes, and obviously a big bag of grapes.
1: And how long would it take for us to see the costs on these items rise?
0: I would think pretty quickly. Pretty I mean, obviously, these things are not sitting for months, right? These right. are these are brought in and sold. Right. These these are perishables, so um, I think we would know pretty soon the prices are increased. Now, maybe like a five percent increase on your mango or your grapes doesn't seem like a lot, but for a lot of people, it will, you know, add up.
1: And for the people who do what you just did, which is basically buy the entire produce <laughs> aisle and bring right. it into work, you're yeah. going to see a cumulative here's one increase. That's like
0: not surprising, obviously.
1: Corona. Corona,
0: yeah, um, and maybe more surprising.
1: Oreos are a product Oreos of Mexico? made
0: in Mexico. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? So, a lot of—I th- mean, this—I was in the grocery store for 15 minutes, and here's like 12 things that are all made in Mexico.
1: I have to say, I appreciate your dedication to the cause here, taking a, a special grocery trip. To yeah, you find can keep everything products. except for the beer
0: and the Oreos. I'm taking those with me.
1: You got those. <laughs> you definitely got those. Okay. Well, now that I'm looking at this whole sort of grocery store's worth of items that are going to affect us, can we talk about the more macro scale? How is it going to affect the economy as a whole?
0: A great question. So Mexico is one of the biggest trading partners with the United States. We get a tremendous amount of goods from Mexico. A lot of the U.S. companies are in Mexico and they can't, it's not like with China where you know, Maybe if something costs more, a U.S. company can decide to buy it from Vietnam or somewhere else. These are U.S. companies in Mexico. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is our stuff. And so they can't resource it or move or buy the Oreos somewhere else. And so um, the cost will be tremendous. I mean, I've talked to several economists who believe it, would, it could cost the U.S. economy hundreds of thousands of jobs. Um, It'll obviously have an impact on growth because when prices go up, people cut back. If wages aren't going up as much as prices are going up, there's this big macroeconomic impact. And then maybe Mexico retaliates and hurts U.S. companies, and these things kind of snowball. And like I mentioned, when these things happen in the wake of a huge election like we're going to see next year, politicians can panic and do all sorts of things that either make things even worse or that try to fix one thing by making something else screwed up. So a lot of things can happen really quickly.
1: And can our economy in its current state sustain this kind of newly added stress?
0: The president believes it can. The president believes now is the best time to do this because the economy is strong and unemployment is low and we can kind of withstand a bit of pressure. But there are new signs that the economy is facing headwinds, that we could go into recession in the next year or two. And a lot of people believe for that exact reason, we shouldn't be doing things like this that kind of tempt fate and might push us a little closer to the edge than we are right now. Mm-hmm.
1: And geopolitically, that Mexico's an ally, as you've said. Are we putting our bilateral relationship at risk from these negotiations or is this sort of just par for the course in international?
0: No, I mean, philosophy? it's definitely, you know, it's a fascinating conundrum by damaging the Mexican economy, which is what could happen here. You could have more people put out of work. And what are those people going to do?
1: Try to come to the United States. Exactly. Mm, Interesting. Okay. Well, on that point, I want to take a second to acknowledge the border. Uh, U.S. Customs Border Protection released new data on Wednesday. As you mentioned, it showed that there's been a surge in the number of people trying to enter our country across the Mexican border. In May, CBP apprehended more than 144,000 people, as you said, mostly families and children. That's a significant increase from numbers we've seen not only in the previous months, but in previous years. Will Trump's threat get Mexico to take actions to actually stop these numbers? Is that going to work?
0: I believe Mexico is going to try to address the concerns raised by the president. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can stop all these people from trying to enter the United States. It's, it's an incredible amount of people who are now trying to, to get into the US. These are people who are, for the most part, are desperate, who have nothing to lose, who are leaving behind you know lives of terror in Honduras and Guatemala. And so you know they literally don't care if they get arrested at the border. It's better than what they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And so how they can fix that quickly, I don't know. It's never really been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely has their attention in Mexico now. And now they're having negotiations to try to get something to to help.
1: But these tariffs, imposed or not, do nothing to improve the conditions for people who have crossed the border into the United States.
0: All the tariffs do is get Mexico's attention. Mm -hmm. And they have gotten Mexico's attention, but they will not do anything to make these people's lives better at Mm -hmm. all.
1: So in addition to these tariffs, which we establish are not necessarily going to change circumstances at the border, what other steps is the administration taking to deter immigrants from coming to the United States?
0: Sure. So we're seeing the White House cut back on anything they believe is not immediately necessary for humanitarian purposes. So they've stopped like soccer games and other benefits that were at some of these holding centers. Things like English classes. Exactly. Right. They're only essentially providing food and shelter and trying to get it so these people These immigrants can be sent back as quickly as possible and they don't believe that this is a situation that's comfortable or going to help them assimilate into the United States.
1: As we wrap this up, I want to put it into the context of Trump's sort of overall strategy geopolitically, economically. We've seen Trump use tariffs as a punishment for sort of any country that isn't complying with something that he wants. Do you expect that we will see more tariffs from Trump towards different countries? Is he going to continue to use this strategy? And then furthermore, how does he measure whether or not it's working?
0: He measures whether or not it's working if he can get people to come to the table mm-hmm. and negotiate with him. Now he talks about all the money we're getting from tariffs, billions of dollars, you know, from U.S. companies that are paying to bring this stuff in, and that is true. That the the revenue is is higher. But it doesn't even compare to the amount of you know, business that, that is lost and could be lost in the future because of higher costs. So I think the president is definitely using these as a way to get people's attention. It has gotten people's attention. Has it been effective so far? No, it has not. The China deal did not work out. Mexico, these talks are ongoing. Uh, he's threatened tariffs against Japan and the European Union. Do they have deals? No. Mm-hmm. So there's all these balls in the air. And all these threats of economic punishment, and retaliation and stuff that we still haven't seen materialize and all these things are converging right ahead of the 2020 elections. And he's going to face some really difficult decisions. Does he risk doing this right before his reelection or does he back down and be seen as weak and maybe someone that can just kind of be ignored? Those, those are tough questions he'll have to face.
1: Well, then let's go and have a pre-tariff picnic with all of this great stuff here. Absolutely. Damien, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing this stuff. And My pleasure. on the show. Sure. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? For updates on the ongoing negotiations between the White House and the Mexican government, as well as additional coverage about the circumstances at the border, please visit WashingtonPost.com. Thanks for listening. Can You Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the dazzling Carol Alderman, with design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live.